It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Welcome to the Manchester United weekly podcast and Much Cited United, where we look back at some of the most significant games in the club's history. By doing so, we find stories we, we weren't expecting to find, discuss players we thought we'd forgotten, and maybe, just maybe, put a smile on your face during these strange times. Solskjaer has won the European Cup for Manchester United! It's absolutely astonishing! It's April 11th and on this day in 1957, Matt Busby and Jimmy Murphy were standing in the centre circle at Real Madrid Stadium, recently renamed the Santiago Bernabeu after the club's president, Don Santiago. A cauldron of noise had been created by the 130,000 Madrid fans inside and the centre circle was the only place where Matt and Jimmy could hear each other talk. As they did so, they were deciding how they could beat Real Madrid in their own backyard. The answer was, they couldn't. Los Blancos were just too good. United went two goals down, grabbed one back through Tommy Taylor and then conceded another. The second leg was an almost insurmountable task for Busby's babes. Joining us to discuss this game, but more importantly using it to view the whole of the 1956-57 season, we've got the brilliant Roy Kavanagh, MBE, with us. If it helps you, I was 10, I was 11 in the June of 57. And I lived 10 minutes walk from Old Trafford near where the docks are, or, or which is Media City now, um, in Salford, that's where I It was the European Cup semi-final when United faced Madrid. To get there, they played the champions of Belgium, Germany and Spain. The first tie was Anderlecht. United travelled away first to a ground with interesting pitches. United won 2-0, but the goals at the ground were square, the goalposts were square. <laughs> Complete squares. And Anderlecht, yeah. And Anderlecht actually got a penalty in that game. I think it won nil. And the guy hit the post. Because <laughs> it was square, it came out. Dennis Vallett was the first English person to score oh. in the European group. He got the first goal. And I say English person because Ibernian had played the year before and got to the semi-final, actually, mm. when Chelsea were deprived mm. of playing or yeah. ordered not to play. And they got to the semi-final. I think they lost to Reims, who actually got to the first final in Real Madrid. Beaten. So the uh, first game was 2-0. So Dennis Violet became the first Englishman to score in Europe. 
Tommy Taylor got the second goal and their partnership in European competition was absolutely formidable. And Whelan, of course. Whelan scored mm. loads and loads of goals. But Taylor and Violet scored a lot in Europe. You're very correct. United returned home and played their ties at Main Road, which had floodlights, unlike Old Trafford. Roy couldn't go to midweek games by himself at this point, especially as they weren't at Old Trafford next door to him. But he remembers reading the evening newspaper on the day of United's home leg against Anderlecht, which had biographies on each of Anderlecht's players. And we got the evening paper that night. They had 10 pictures of the Anderlecht team and a report about it. So I'm, and I'm reading. We're on the floor, lying there, reading it. And I still, to this day, I know it sounds bizarre, but it is true. You know, you're reading about the goalkeeper. He's called Felix Wood. And he said, uh, a world-class goalkeeper. They had a right wing is called you know, Julian. Second name was Julian. I think it's Joseph, but it was Julian. The Belgian Stanley Matthews. And they had the inside forward, the captain, who was a famous European football called Joseph Merman, M-E-O-M-E-N-S, as good as any player in Europe. And you're thinking, right, God, I know we're beating 2 now. God, this is a world-class team. This is a superstar. Are you with it? Yeah. Then, of course, again, no radio, no television. It was only at school the following day that I heard United won 10 <laughs> And, you know, in later life when I, I met people, and I think the forwards, evidently, because Violet got four, Taylor got three, Wheeler got two, Barry got one. But Peg had a great game. Yeah. And the forwards were actually trying, they were actually spending the last 15 minutes trying to get David Peg on the score sheet. Just wouldn't go in. Uh, of course, they won the game twelve, sorry, ten nil, twelve nil on aggregate. And I think the crowd was about forty thousand on a, a wet night, as it happened. After that demolition, the interest spiked in the European Cup and in Manchester United. The whole city was suddenly invested in it. Dortmund came next, the German champions. United knew they were in for a test, but it didn't seem that way in the first half. 76,000 people were counted, and plenty more were not at Main Road, as United raced to a 3-0 first half lead. Dennis Violet got two and United benefited from one own goal after David Pegg chased down the defender. In the second half, United were brought back down to earth and began to understand the challenge and trepidations of the European Cup, conceding twice. For the Dortmund game, the crowd was registered around 75,000. Now, it wasn't all ticket, and they reckoned there was absolutely thousands there, and it was, it was bad, out, bad overcrowding at that ground. That's why the Bill Bale game, you'll see 65,000, because that was all ticket. So United went to Dortmund with a, a narrow one-goal lead, and they played on a, an almost concrete pitch in terrible conditions. Tom Curry, the trader, couldn't find the club's rubber studs, so United's players were almost bouncing off the turf, but they fought hard. Watching on were 7,000 British servicemen who were still stationed in the Ruhr Valley. I know a lot, a lot of troops went to the game. It was bitterly cold and dark that night, but it was, it was only... That nine years after the war, end of the war, a lot of British troops still in Germany. United defended resolutely. Even Busby was surprised that they made it through, but two world-class saves from goalkeeper Ray Woods did enough. Captain Roger Byrne put in a typically brilliant performance and Duncan Edwards was also crucial in breaking up play. The German fans applauded his work. Roy explains why he loved the goalkeeper Ray Wood. Yeah, in fact, Ray Wood had one of his most outstanding games. The goalkeeper was the... It was actually my hero. It was my <laughs> hero because colour was everything in 1956. The country was grey, mm. it was black and white. There was, there was no colour. Women didn't walk around in red, red dress, whatever. It, it, 
So football shirts lifted you, you know, um, you know the different colours of football shirts lifted you. And of course, Wood being a goalkeeper wore a different shirt to the team. So that I liked him, you know, and uh, <laughs> I really liked Ray Wood. After the game, Dortmund's captain Preisler said, "In England, Manchester swamped us with incredible football." In Germany, they fought like tigers. They will win the European Cup. And so the Belgian champions had been dispatched, and now came the Spanish champions. Athletic Bilbao, the Basque side who had pipped General Franco's Real Madrid to the title, and drew jubilant scenes by doing so from their little corner of Spain, which had been so terribly decimated during the civil war in the 1930s. Bilbao took no chances, playing nine reserves in their weekend game against Barcelona and losing 2-0. They knew that if they beat United, they could play Real Madrid in the semi-final and drop another blow on Franco's Real Madrid. United, meanwhile, flew over during a snowstorm and found Bilbao Airport shut. After some serious trouble, they managed to land in a place where Bilbao had only lost one game in three years. Bilbao had got to the semi-final with a win over Hungarian side Honved. Roy explains Honved's troubles at the time, 1956, the year of the Hungarian uprising. Because of the Hungarian uprising, the Honved team had virtually on block left Hungary. Mm. And they were playing like the Alan Trotter <laughs> around. And both legs of their tie were built down. First leg was played in Bilbao. But their home leg was actually played in the same stadium, Brussels, that United had played Anderlecht. And Busby went over to watch that United were hammered by Bilbao from the off in terrible, terrible conditions. And it was raining, sleet, muddy pitch. Ripped to pieces, and there were three goals down by half-time. But the combination of Busby and Murphy's team talks, the former telling his players that they were good enough to play their game and cause problems, and Murphy reminding United's players of the Mancunians back home waiting on this result. Mancunians like Roy, that is. And that team talk did great things. United came out and played fantastically, driven by Duncan Edwards. He'd already been playing for England for three years and was now 19. Taylor scored United's first, finishing off a pass from Dennis Violet, who added the second a few minutes later. Despite Busby's protestations from the sideline, United bombed forward looking for a third, an equaliser. But instead, they conceded twice and returned to a three-goal deficit. Late on, though, Billy Whelan got one back in style. Probably reminiscent of Giggs' goal in the 99 semi-final. You know, um, sort of this long ranging run through people and then finishing in a brilliant shot. So United brought back a two-goal deficit rather than three to Manchester. They had to dig their plane out of the snow first, but they did make it back. Busby took his players away to Blackpool's Norbreck Hotel in the build-up to the game. Such was the attention around it. It's said that he had two options, all-out attack and pray. Bilbao had an air of unhealthy overconfidence about them. They were Spanish champions, they dispatched of United at home. And they thought they were the finest team in the continent, helped by the, the nationalistic nature at the time of the Basque region, of course. But a deafening roar greeted United, with about 65,000 at Main Road, and a frantic pace ensued in the game. Violet slid one home early on, but it was offside, and Bilbao generally held firm. Duncan Edwards had been told to stay in his own half by Busby, who knew that United couldn't risk conceding another goal. And Edwards did so. Violet scored another, but again, it was offside. And without much pattern or tactical plan, United were exhilarating the crowd. The atmosphere continued to build, and when Edwards was released by Busby, let off his tight leash, he ruled the roost in the Bilbao half. A driven shot from the Dudley-born boy bounced back, and Dennis Violet tapped home. 1-0 at half-time, United's players jogged down the tunnel with what seemed like half of Manchester inside Main Road. 
Busby tried to calm his players down in the dressing rooms. Taylor hit the woodwork in the second half, so did Johnny Berry, but this was arguably Tommy Taylor's finest performance. He tore apart the Bilbao defender, Jesus Garay, and eventually tired him out. Eventually he just strode past him and scored a low shot past Carmelo into the far corner. As it stood, United had secured a replay in Paris, a one-off match to decide the tie, but they went for the killer third. Taylor again powered past his man, though this time it was the full-back, and he kept his cool in the box by passing it to Johnny Berry, who was in a better position. Berry rifled it home, and Manchester lifted off into the sky. The third goal when Berry scored it, it, the noise could be heard all over Manchester. (laughs) It it must have been an incredible... A bit like the Barcelona game, I suppose. United lose 5-3 in Bilbao. They come back to, to Main Rose to play under the floodlights, as you say, f- yeah. February the 6th, 1957, exactly yeah. a year before um, before the yeah. disaster. And I guess that United come back, win 3-0, won it up at half-time and, yeah. and Berry scores late on. And yeah. Is that the, the defining game for, for the Busby yeah. Babes? Absolutely, absolutely. Well, well put. That it, because it, it cannot stress, stress enough how good this Bill Bell side were because they were the champions of Spain. And I think that I think that emphasize. I think it was a defining moment for that team. I think then, of course, Europe would go Oof, Madrid. <laughs> to Madrid in a minute, but Madrid must be then thinking, hang on a minute, they've got beat five three in terrible conditions, and yet. Bill Bowers gone there. We know what Bill Bowers like. They're the champions from previous yeah. and they they beat three 0 and no one's got sent off or injured or whatever. It's been beaten three 0 No, I think United had two goals this allowed. Yeah, they probably were just goals, but I mean they, they didn't. You know, uh, so it's a fantastic um, defining moment. This was on February the sixth, nineteen fifty-seven, exactly one year before the majority of the team would perish in the Munich snow. United went through, stunning fashion, and now went to the European champions, Real Madrid, the finest team in the world, with the most incredible selection of players from across the planet. Whereas Bilbao had Basque players, and most teams were made up of what was around them, including United to a large extent, Real Madrid had Argentines, a Frenchman, in addition to the pick of the Spaniards. Busby went to watch Real Madrid qualify for the semi-finals in Nice. Alfredo Di Stefano scored twice, and Busby pronounced on his return that he had never seen a better player. He is simply unique. So we're finally at April 11th, 1957 inside El Estadio Santiago Bernabeu and it was the biggest game of the European Cup so far. The holders and basically the owners against this incredible young United team. United wore all red, uh, satin cover, colour and, and they were in all white. Thursday afternoon, nil nil at half time and then Madrid just eased into that 2 nil lead. Taylor gets his ball back and then Madrid scored the third. Madrid had Di Stefano, the best player in the world, but they also had a whole host of other fantastic players. Gento, Copa, Real. They had a, a guy called Hector Real, R-I-A-L, from Argentina, inside mm-hmm. left. And he was, you know, film style looks and all that. And of course they had Ento, Ento on, the, on the left wing. Yeah. He was like a flying machine. So. So they, they were a great side. They were very worldly side, by the way. And so United, having been beaten 3-1, Tommy Taylor with the only goal. But Taylor would be, in my greatest United ever side, as the centre-forward, alongside Dennis Law. He was magnificent. Tall, peerless in the air, two-footed, and a, a, a team player, and a goal scorer. So, so it's pretty complete, that, isn't it? 
Marquitos, I think it was, was the uh, yeah. centre-out. It was Marquitos who had heard of Taylor's performance against Jesus Garay of Athletic Bilbao and decided he wouldn't play in the same way and would instead hack him down at every opportunity. Meanwhile, Busby put both Eddie Coleman and Jackie Blanchflower to Mark Di Stefano, which they did well until about the hour mark. The defeat was a disappointment, but ultimately expected. Busby was amazed by not only the team, but the reception United were given in Madrid. When they'd arrived, Spaniards had turned up in their tens and hundreds to see Los Chicos disembark their plane, dressed in suits with trilbies on, looking like Chicago gangsters. The build-up stated that Madrid needed at least three goals to take to Manchester, and that's what they got. After the game, Madrid laid on food and drinks for United players, and the two teams conversed well, and apparently, a couple of the Madrid players approached Matt Busby and told him that if he came to the Santiago Bernabeu, no one could stop them. He respectfully said no. You know, so, so it's 3-1. So you've got the same situation. You've got the 5-3, you've got 3-1. And this was the second game to be played under Old Trafford's floodlights. They were finally all because they played Bolton two weeks earlier in a league game to open the floodlight. Got beat 2-0, actually. And United had played in all red that night and Bolton were in all white. To must be again attention to detail to get what it's going to be like when they come in and play Madrid. <laughs> Is a true story. Um, I didn't actually go to that game, but I remember vividly for only ten minutes. And I remember going up to Trafford Bridge and getting a program and looking at the floodlight and going, "Wow, what what's that?" Two more in the first half in United's home leg left the tide done and dusted. Madrid were this worldly great side before you knew where it was. They were two 0 the tie was settled but you know we came back United Taylor again Charlton they got two back in the second half to make it 2-2 on the day but eventually the tie finished 5-3 in Madrid's favour Bobby Charlton got the second goal for United though it was his first game in the European Cup every other tie had been left out of the squad and he was eventually being brought through into United's first team even though it was hard to fit him in I saw his debut against Charlton Athletic and he scored two goals and he was fell back there's no question about it because he didn't. But the injuries, I mean, Taylor, Violet, um, a little bit wheeling, but Taylor and Violet did suffer injuries. And uh, Charlton would be the one who would come in. So if Taylor got hurt, Charlton came in. If if, uh, if Violet got hurt, it, hurt it, he'd come in. So that, yeah, they, they did hold him back a bit, but he was, he was, I mean, he, in the youth and the reserves, he was the man. Um, but they did a insanely healthy back. Difficult one, Harry. <laughs> I mean, you've mentioned all three. <clears throat> Taylor, genuinely world class centre forward, would be in my all time great. Denny mm. Spiler, but still the record league goal, goal scorer. Yeah. 32 in the league season. And Billy Real, when you do check it, his goals record incredible. He scored thirty three in in the fifty seven season, only one less yeah. than than Tommy Taylor. Yeah, so you know, I, I think you see. So <laughs> how do you get Charlton in? United were out of the European Cup then, but reached the FA Cup final and won the league. The Real Madrid game and the fact that Alan Hardacre, the Football League chairman, refused to help United with their European efforts meant United played six times in ten days, including thrice in four days before the cup final. Before the final itself, they did have a four or five day rest after the manic period and then they played Villa. 
Plus B said to me, so he'd won the league and he'd got beaten in the semi-final of the Liverpool Cup. So I was never more convinced of United winning a double as I was that day. But I woke up and I went round every single bedroom to see every one of the eleven to make sure they didn't have a sniff and a cough. <laughs> once I knew they were totally fit, there was no way we weren't going to win the double. And then six minutes in, Peter McPowan yeah. took Ray Wood out. And so, you know, that, that shows how close we were to double. So United were close to a treble, but ended up with only the title, winning it by six points. It was fascinating to chat to Roy as ever. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Much Cited United on the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. We'll have a few more of these out over the course of April and maybe May. Um, if you've enjoyed it, share it. Check out United Through Time as well. The podcast delving into Manchester United's long and famous history by focusing on the most significant individuals in the club's past. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.